Welcome to the Culture Encounters Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chad Ombi, and we have a really cool episode uh, here for you tonight. Uh, it's another hybrid episode. We're continuing to meet our board members uh, of Culture Encounters, and we're also, we have the rare opportunity to have a conversation with our board member, but also continue our road trip series with Rhode Island. That's right. We're going to be talking about things uh, Rhode Island as well as uh, getting to meet our board member, uh, Mariama Jallo. So that's enough of me talking. Let's go ahead and bring in Mariama. Hey, uh, Mariama, how are you? Hi, Shad. Hi. How thanks. are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Uh, thanks for thanks for being here today and talking with us. Thanks for having me. Oh, Appreciate yeah. The, the warm welcome. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're any any warmth I'm sure is appreciated because you were t- uh, before we went on the air, Mariama was telling me how cold it is in Rhode Island right now. So it's you know I, I can imagine uh, I can't even imagine it's been cold in Virginia. It's got <laughs> to be like an ice box up there. It is brutally cold right now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, I wouldn't trade it for the world though. I'm, and that's amazing. And we're going to get to all things Rhode Island, and I can't right. wait for that because um, I've never been. So I'm looking forward to learning about it. So uh, before, so let's go ahead and get started with our our first kind of part of this. So talk a little bit a little bit about what brought you to culture encounters. And right. what and when you hear that word culture, what 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 does that mean to you? What does the word culture mean to you? And how has um the idea of different cultures affected your life? Right. So what brought me to culture encounters? Um this probably started for me about two and a half, three years ago. Felt the urge of wanting to give it back. And again, as we all know, COVID has done the most to us in a good way and a bad way. So in looking to want to give it back, I was in search of wanting to join a board, be part of something and giving it back to a community. It didn't matter for me what community it was. I would have preferred a community in Rhode Island, but um, the stars weren't aligned for that. And I ended up at Culture Encounters and I don't regret it at all. Um, so actually it was Marilyn um, who I began to communicate with right. via LinkedIn itself. And one thing led to another. Um, and when Culture Encounters was interviewing me for a board position, it was around the same time that, were, that another board was interviewing me for a board position. But I wanted to ensure that it's a right fit in terms of what I aspire and what I dream to be of and how I want to give it back into the community. And that's how that's what led me to culture encounters, because, again, we're in times where everything is centered around cultural awareness, desensitizing communities and impacting communities where you can make a measurable difference itself. So I really liked what cultural encounters is doing within the communities and what better way to do it with arts and food itself. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Yeah. For sure. And went through the interview, got to meet Alma. She's really, she's a great individual, an an inspiring individual itself. And we began the process of being on the board itself. And then we went through the voting process and um, I was voted the president, the board president of Culture Encounters. And I've been the president for a little bit over a year now. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Uh, that's awesome. I yeah, I'm glad you talked through that process a little bit because I 
Uh, me and many others are probably unfamiliar with how it works. You know, you don't just join a board, right? You know, you have to go through a vetting process and and everything. So I'm really glad you talked about that. So, right. uh, and I'm I'm glad uh, I'm going to make her blush somewhere because I'm, I'm glad <laughs> uh, you mentioned Ama and just how incredible of a person she is. She's um, an amazing individual. What What's always inspired me about her is her ability to just bring people together. You know, like she'll know someone from somewhere and then she'll know someone from another walk of life and be like, hey, you guys should meet and do something. And then like, you know, something amazing happens pretty much all the time. So like, I can't say enough good things about her. Uh, right. You know, she, she's incredible. So Absolutely. let's talk a little bit about, and you had talked about wanting to give back, um, you know, as far as culture goes. Um, and I'm so glad that you are here with us. So how, how have, how have your life experiences, what, you know, the things that make you, you, uh, right. how, how is that, um, how have those experiences shaped the way that you kind of see multiculturalism? <laughs> so that can span from 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 A to Z. Sure. For example, um, right. I'm one of West African descent itself. So for people that are not familiar with that, in an African culture, specifically West African culture, everyone you're related to everyone. Everyone right. is either your aunt or your uncle or your mom's friends or your dad's friends. They're your aunt and your uncle. Your neighbors then become your family members at some point itself. Right. So um, at an early age, I've been exposed to different walks of life. And that really taught me of how to appreciate people's cultures and not allowing simple things such as language to be a barrier between how you communicate with another individual and getting to really respect individuals for who they are and what they bring to the table and essentially meeting people where they're at. Um, in my field of work, I've been in community-based settings for 15 plus years with an underserved community. So you get to see all works are all walks of life itself. And then you get to see the cultural barriers. So for me, what drives my passion is how do you bridge those cultural gaps that we see within community bases? Right, right. No, that, that makes sense. I love, um, you know, you mentioned working with marginalized communities. Um, so um, is that something that you did in West Africa and then took that with you over, you know, when you came here to um, Rhode Island? Or is that something that you started doing when you moved here? So I was actually born here. My parents are from West Africa. Oh, okay. I, was, I got I've, you. I missed I've, that I've, detail. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually born here. My parents are from West Africa, but I've been exposed to the West African culture ever since I was a year and nine months. And I think a lot of times the misconception that you have is that Africa is a disarray and it's completely mm -hmm. the opposite. When you go to visit, it's much more of a welcoming environment. It's much more of a togetherness. It's much more of unity that you see. So having been exposed to that ever since I was a child, it gave me a different perspective in terms of when you're dealing with people, you're essentially not dealing with people, you're dealing with personalities. And what is the underlying factor when you're dealing with personalities is people's values, people's beliefs and what that system looks like right right um that makes sense absolutely um and um so you then so talk a little bit about before we get into Rhode Island specifically um you know you just you know let me know that you are a first generation American what has that experience been like for you growing up or you know um being born here but you know um 
you have uh, this amazing, rich cultural heritage, um, you know, um, in, you know, another country in, in the West African culture. Um, what has that experience been like for you? Um, kind of, um, you know, having to, has it been hard to navigate any sort of like um, acceptance struggle or how, how is that? Just talk a little bit about what it's been like for you as a first generation America, you know, cause I know uh, lots of people I've spoken to have not always had the easiest time with that just because of, um, you know, some of the um, people in America, unfortunately are, while most are wonderful, we, we all know that unfortunately it's not always the case. So um, talk a little bit about that. So for me, um, the bridging of the cultures wasn't actually a struggle for me itself because I was exposed at a young age in terms of what good ethics are, what good morals are. So I think um, as an individual, if that foundation is stable, it doesn't matter what sorts of situations you may be faced in faced with in life when dealing with different populations or different races that doesn't identify that doesn't determine who you are as a person right exactly and i guess that that goes back to what you were saying with giving back and embracing like you use the word bridge with you know multiculturalism and really i think speaks to, to the heart of what we do here of getting more people to embrace um what makes us unique as humans in our differences. Exactly so, so. Yeah, I think that definitely is a great representation of that. So let's now, let's talk about Rhode Island a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the ocean state. The uh, ocean state, that's where everyone needs to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting that. So uh, so you you were born in Rhode Island? Or no, I wasn't you... born in Rhode Island. I was born in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and I moved to Rhode Island um, for schooling and just never moved back nice. to New York. Um, and I've loved it here. Um, like I said to you before we started recording, we don't even have a red lobster. So right. when right. you want your seafood during the summertime, you just go down by the bay and you can get your fresh your fresh seafood and you can come home and steam it or grill it or do, do whatever you want. But on the flip side, uh, our winters are brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like that um, they do have the small knit communities and you have the collaboration within the communities itself and things of that nature. But um, I'm also cognizant of the fact that you may have instances where you you have disparities. And to be quite honest, that's everywhere within the U.S. right now, if, if we sure. want to be transparent of what it is. But I think that Rhode Island has been home for me where I have a peace of mind um, and is surrounded by Massachusetts. So you get to see, you. I, I get to enjoy both the best of both states. Oh, that's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's awesome. Right. Um, so you, you know, you talked about being surrounded by water. What impact has that had on you? You know, growing like living there now. You know, you're completely surrounded by water. Um, does that lead to a lot of water-based activities for people? Are people doing a lot of stuff in the water? Yep, yeah, it leads to a lot of water-based activities. Um, I think they have the regular sailing thing that they do in Newport. Um, you have a lot of sightseeing. You have the Newport mansions. Um, there's a lot of history in, in Rhode Island itself before dating it back to slavery itself. Right. So to 
now see the present day of how they're trying to decentralize those um, stigmatization that Rhode Island was faced with in terms of it, it being called, um, I think it, it, it was called um, the Providence Plantation for the longest itself, if you know about um, mm-hmm. the slavery history and plantation itself is no longer associated with the name Rhode Island. So you see how um, change is coming even though it may be slow, but it's gradually coming. Sure. Um, I like that aspect of it itself. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people, especially like in history books, um, were basically taught from a young age that, oh, slavery was only an issue in the South. It, there wasn't prejudice or hatred or racism or or any of that anywhere else in the United States. It was a Southern thing. And, you know, that, that you know, we know that's not true, right? You know, right. it affected everywhere. So the fact that it was even known as the Providence Plantation, I think, speaks to that. So I'm I'm glad even if it's slow progress, that some progress is happening. Absolutely. Right. And Rhode Island was the was part of the first original thirteen colonies. So right. it only makes sense. Right. I was gonna say, wasn't it colony like it wasn't one, I think that was Delaware, but it was one of the first ones, right? I know uh, it's it oh, I know I know it's part of the thirteenth. Yeah. So you're right, taking right. me back to tenth grade <laughs> now and eleventh grade. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, it makes me think of those old uh, Schoolhouse Rock videos. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, shout out to Schoolhouse Rock. That thing was awesome. Uh, man, I, I wish they still. I don't even know if they still show those videos or not. I hope they do. Um, but um, so you know, we talked about you know back in the day, um, you all of the New England area, like even the thirteen colonies. You know, we talked about it. Um, New England was known primarily for its. Um, you know, ship, ship, uh, like shipbuilding and, um, um, Aquarian, I guess, food, uh, Aquarian agriculture, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. is that still the case now? Is there still a lot of, um, distribution of, um, like seafood that comes out of Rhode Island? I wouldn't be the best one to speak on that itself because that's not my line of work. But what I do know is that they have a lot of, fresh seafood during mm-hmm. the summer because no one is going fishing. I don't think, well, I would hope not during the winter months itself, but during the right. summer you're able to get fresh lobsters, fresh crabs, and it tastes good. Um, so I would, I would assume that they probably still do have the trade, but mm-hmm. I would be the best one to speak on that. Right. No, that makes sense. Uh, do you ever go fishing? Do you ever spend time doing stuff like that? Get no the fish? <laughs> I, I can't do it i don't have the patience for it not at all not i at all. i i like more power to people who do especially those who like transport and you know as a consumer gift but mm-hmm. like i i don't have the the patience to sit and you know um sit in a boat for hours on end especially early in the morning so right not more, at all not more, more yeah more power to people who can I <laughs> um what's your favorite seafood if you had to pick uh, shrimps. I like shrimps. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about food a little bit. You had mentioned seafood. Um, are there any specific uh, dishes or anything that, um, when you think about um, Rhode Island, um, uh, you know, we talked a lot about seafood, but are there any other dishes that come to mind um, that Rhode Island is known for? I think they're known for their clam chowders. Mm-hmm. Okay, so kind of like the the Massachusetts right. kind of New England. Cam I think chowder. I know for their clam chowders, yes. Okay, and uh, I've never had a a chowder before. What is that? What is the difference between like a chowder and like just like a regular soup? 
I think a chowder is much more creamier. It has much more of a creamier base to it than just like a regular soup that's just a bit much more light and watery. Got you. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So what about, um, you had mentioned before we came on the air that um, there are a lot, um, uh, there's a lot of diversity, cultural diversity within Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit more about that. Um, what, what, what have you noticed as far as the um, cultural diversity that's present where, you're, where you live? So in, in, in within our communities, you have a lot of his, Hispanics. You have a lot of Portuguese. You have a lot of Cape Verdeans. Um, you have a lot of Liberians. You have um, a mixture of Senegalese and Gambians. You have Ghanaians, you have Nigerians. So it's essentially a melting pot, I like to call it. Um, You also have the Italians and um, the Caucasian people. But um, I think if you're measuring metrics from 20 years ago to now, the population trend has certainly evolved in terms of having much more of a diverse population itself, as opposed to just being con. Um, concentrated on one. No, I got you. Where and now? Where are you in Rhode Island? Are you in Providence? I live or, in East Providence. In East Providence, okay. Mm-hmm. So, what what percentage of the island is would be considered part of Providence? Is it a pretty good portion? I would think a, a pretty good portion. But if you look at it on the map, Rhode Island is surrounded by Massachusetts on on both sides itself. So, right. I think. Um, Either way you go, you're, you're dibbling and dabbling in terms of what populations you see. But, um, for example, the Hispanics are much more saturated in the Providence area as right. opposed to East Providence that has more of like the Portuguese and, and, and things of that nature. And then if you're moving further north, like the Pawtucket area, you would probably have more of the Cape Verdeans and more of the Liberians. So um, I know, you know, we hear about in New York that most of the, you know, the populations, the ethnicities present kind of, you know, have like distinct neighborhoods. Um, Is that is that similar? Is that a similar experience in Rhode Island? Is there a lot of um, I think you have that everywhere you go within the U.S. itself. Okay. Um, I think you should like objectively speaking, I think anywhere you go, you'd have more populations that are dense in certain areas and less in others. So I think it's fair to say that's the same in Rhode Island. Right. Right. No, that oh, got you. Good to know. Yeah. I, um, you know, and I think it's good to know that too, because sometimes we forget, you know, because we are, that there are all of these different cultures out there and that are present within each community mm-hmm. um, and making their own wonderful communities as well. Well, you know, when we get stuck into, um, not necessarily stuck, but, you know, we, you know, sometimes as people don't think about that. So I think it's awesome to, to draw attention to that and bring it to attention. Um, so with, um, if somebody, I like to ask this question, if somebody had 24 hours to spend in, um, Rhode Island in, mm-hmm. in, in, I guess, um, you said East Providence is where you mm-hmm. are, right? If mm-hmm. somebody had 24 hours in East Providence to spend, what would you, what, what's one thing that they would have to do? Not necessarily in East Providence, but I would encourage them to take the drive to Newport itself. On the, and you don't necessarily have to go through it through the 95. You can go through 
um, the 195 and go through Portsmouth area and head to Newport and really tour the Newport mansions and go on the cliff walk itself and really see the ocean. It, it's really beautiful. So if if that was one thing I would tell a person to do if they come to see me in East Providence is to take the drive to Newport. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so take the drive to Newport. That is, that's the thing on our homework. And if I'm ever in Rhode it Island, it is. And go, go down to Newport mansion and it's beautiful. Newport mansion. Got yes, it. it is. So um, one thing, another thing I also like to discuss when we discuss, you know, when we do these road trips um, is, you know, so we, you know, paying homage or, or respect to the um, indigenous cultures of each, um, you know, state, I think is very important, you know, as mm-hmm. the fact that, um, most of us um, in our, you know, our heritage were not the first people to settle in America. Um, so we're, um, what do you know, what do you know about whatever um, indigenous populations were present in Rhode Island? And um, does Rhode Island do anything to to honor these people? Or is the influence of indigenous, I guess is a better way of saying it, um, is the influence of the indigenous cultures that have represented Rhode Island, are they still present there? Are they still represented there? They are still present and they're still represented. However, I've, I objectively speaking again, right, I, right. I feel like more could be done always for, for, for them itself. Um, right. However, they are represented. They are here, but I don't feel enough is being done. If that right. makes sense. No, I, I, I think that's probably like you were saying true across the board and unfortunately not surprising. Do you know what, um, do you know what populations would have settled there? Wouldn't I? I believe they're the um, the Native Americans. Well, yeah, right. The Native. Do you know like what tribe specifically would have been? I would be lying to you if I said I knew exactly Native. what tribe it was. No, and that's totally. And I love your honesty and admire that. And I think that the fact that that like information is not like readily like immediately given to you when you move to Rhode Island shows that more needs to be done. So right, I, I think that that's awesome. That um. I think it's awesome that you're transparent about that. And hopefully even by having this conversation, we're starting a conversation about, you know, giving more emphasis and more um, respect to like the government or not the government necessarily, but like the powers that be in Rhode Island to hopefully do more for those populations. So that's absolutely really what we're all about here is, is trying to help bring people together from all different walks of life. Right. I uh, think the only one I know of would be the Wampanoags, but okay. I think that um, they are probably also referred to um, or, or, or are associated with the Narragansett people because the Narragansett is heading more towards the Newport area, the beach area, and um, things right. of that nature itself, but... Uh, I want to say one of one of one of the tribes is the one the Wampanoags. Awesome. So that's that's great. And if anybody else knows listening to this, uh, any anything about the the history of the indigenous populations and cultures in Rhode Island, please please post in the um, in the uh, comments below. Uh, let us know what you know. We love learning. Uh, you know, but um, thank you. I want to say thank you very much, um, uh, Mariama, for taking some time today to. Um, to be with us and and chat uh, so openly and, and candidly about your experiences, I can see uh, your passion for 
um, you know, bringing people together and multiculturalism and your your love for your 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 state, I think, um, um, are really really admirable, and it's it's very apparent uh, talking to you. So uh, I just wanted to express my gratitude. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chad, for having me on your show. Absolutely. Well, thank you all so much for listening, and have a wonderful evening. We'll see you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.